Welcome to Test Everything, the podcast dedicated to conversion rate optimization, split testing, and making decisions with data. I'm your host, Josh Panabianco. The goal of this podcast is simple, to teach you conversion rate optimization from the very best CRO experts from all around the world. With this new knowledge, you'll be able to transition to only making data-driven changes to your website. Because remember, everything else is gambling. Today's guest is someone that has become an expert in increasing conversion rates at the very last step of the sales process, the checkout page. His knowledge of how to increase conversion rates at checkout is second to none. The results he has achieved has increased average order values and reduced cart abandonment rates. Our guest today is Julian Weber from Clever Bridge, and he also has a personal blog called um, Conversion Gorilla. Julian, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yes, uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's a kind of a funny story, actually. Julian laughed when I told him this. Uh, when I was searching for guests to come on the show, I started searching on LinkedIn for CRO, and uh, Julian's name was one of the top people globally uh, in the search results for the keywords uh, CRO. So. Um, not only is Julian very experienced, but he's also one of you know the world's leading CRO experts, you know, according to LinkedIn. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty funny actually. It was quite flattering, and yeah, as you know, LinkedIn is always right. <laughs> so yes, LinkedIn is always right. We believe in LinkedIn. Um, yeah, cool. So thank you so much for joining us today. As you as uh, you may have guessed, the topic of today's show is how to increase conversion rates at the checkout page, but um, before we jump into that, it'd be great to learn more about how you got into CRO, um, what your current role looks like and how you do CRO in your current role. And also tell me, tell us a little bit about um, Conversion Gorilla. Oh, yes. Um, that's actually quite a funny uh, question because sometimes I ask myself this questions uh, from time to time because um, I'm actually an, an industrial engineer by trade. So I started uh, studied engineering. Um, but yes, after my studies, we had a startup in Berlin, so everything was quite vibrant and exciting. And yeah, we failed big time with that. <laughs> but then I moved on uh, to uh, yeah to Cleverbridge, uh, which is an e-commerce company uh, here in Cologne. And yeah, we are like a global service provider for yes, mainly software companies. And so we are selling uh, software globally, and I, my job is there to optimize the checkouts, yeah, the checkout experience for uh, our clients, uh, mainly our top clients, because as you know, in conversion rate optimization, the more traffic you have, um, the better the uplift uh, sounds in revenue numbers. So we focus on top clients mainly. And yeah, my job is there to, to make everything smooth and uh, to have a good customer experience and um, pretty much from the very beginning I found it very interesting so I started blogging about it on conversion-gorilla.com and yeah to yeah all the psychology hacks which are out there and uh, some book recommendations well, the books I read I write about those there and yeah, it's since then I'm doing this for almost five years now and for a lot of clients and we generated quite a bit of money for them, uh, huge uplifts and it's quite exciting how much you can do by changing the design and the customer experience and yeah, it's just 
every day a new exciting stuff happens because they can test new stuff every day and it's with a lot of sessions with a lot of users and actually human people behind it so yeah i'm really excited every day about the job at cleverbridge did you before this were you a more of a digital marketer or were you a web developer what was your background before this before this we had as said we had the startup it was a SaaS tool so uh yeah i knew a little bit about development and of course digital marketing um but i basically learned everything on the job i since i have so much focus on just the checkout for almost five years now um yeah and the rest was conference what, and books. what what does your average client look like like what kind of clients are you servicing uh, well, our verticals are antivirus, VPN, backup, and multimedia software. So, and imagine you would have now a software to cut your podcast, for example, and then you yeah. all have the hustle to sell this worldwide uh, because you have to have the right um, payment options. You have to have the VAT regulations, law regulations, fraud protection, customer service. And we do those uh, things for them globally. And of course, uh, some success service like conversion rate optimization. So when you are faced with the question, what is the best CTA in China? What is the best CTA color in China? Um, yeah, you can come to us and I will tell you it's red. <laughs> yeah. So so it's definitely red. Is it? That's that's the first nugget of today. Definitely red. CTA yeah, but only in China because China. it's uh, their flag is red and red is a positive color for them. And um, Okay. In every in the Western Hemisphere, it's more green and blue, I would say, but in China, it's red. So yeah. So that is that is that something you've split tested? Yes, we tested this. Okay, that's awesome. Um, and so you, uh, so you've done specific tests over the last five years, just focusing on the checkout page. Is that right? Yes, just the checkout page of our clients because there's where our business starts because uh, we sell the software for them and the clients send uh, the visitors off their website to our checkout cards. Can you um, can you give us a little bit of a high-level overview of your process um, for your CRO process and maybe something you do differently? <clears throat> so when you get a, when you get a new client uh, and they've got they're giving you know they've given you a a checkout page that you haven't worked on before like where do you start well the usual is uh we look at the data uh, first uh, what's the conversion rate where are the drop-offs but for me is that what, is that in ga is that in google analytics or where do you start we do google analytics but we also have our own analytics tool um custom developed and yeah we we, we choose to have both sometimes sometimes if a client is new we, we of course need to check their uh, analytics tool first yeah Okay, so um, what's what's the custom tool you've built, and why did you do that over GA over Google Analytics? Uh, well, we have the we have a e-commerce platform, and uh, with this comes a reporting tool, and it was in-house developed. So, okay. yeah. And so, what's what's some of the the um, the numbers and the metrics that you're looking at? Uh, in example, uh, like in in uh, Google Analytics, what are some of the numbers you're looking at first, other than just the conversion rate? Like, are there are there other numbers you're looking at? I just want to sort of share some of your expertise with the audience today. Uh, we do look at customer contact rate quite a bit. We do look at unpaid orders uh, because we have over sixty uh, global payment methods, and somehow have uh, high uh, yeah high unpaid order rate. So that's very interesting for us. 
And but I I like to look at quality data. Uh, so I sometimes we use Hotjar for this. We have uh, polls popping up in the card, asking the customer like, uh, are you missing any payment options? Uh, what if any is stopping you from purchasing today? Um, do are you missing any information on this page? So we get some real market feedback uh, because it's quite let's say quite powerful human telling you exactly what is missing on the page so i like to of course the quantitative analysis takes place in in google analytics or in the other analytics tool um, but for me always is the qualitative data live market feedback from from the from the people is uh yeah gold always because you find like really gold nuggets which you can then use to optimize the page what, with those surveys, what percentage of people are actually completing the survey generally? Like, is there a general rule of, because I'd imagine, because um, you're asking something of the audience, you're asking them to do an extra step. And so what, what are the conversion rates like for those form completions? Well, depending on the client, uh, and you also have different trigger options with these polls. I mean, most of the listeners might know it's it's just popping at the, at the bottom and you can have, for mm. example, a wait, don't leave functionality. So only if people leaving the checkout, it pops up and then you get quite a f funny answer. Sometimes people get really mad, but uh, some actually will tell you uh, that they weren't seeing the cost up front. For example, the VAT wasn't showing right or... Um, yeah, stuff like that, and um, it's a, and and of course you can do the same uh, when you ask a customer when he purchased already. Then you can ask him what made uh, what was driving the purchase decision for you today, and you get like really solid answers. Like okay, there was a three for one offer, or the discount or promo code was was uh, nice and enticing. Or sometimes you get just people, uh, I had one person saying, uh, the sun was out and I had the money. <laughs> that was actually my best. The sun was out and I had the money. Okay. Um, okay. So just breaking this down for the audience. So now you've got, you've done the the research and the data and what's, uh, once you have that research and that information, what's your next step? Like, do, are you doing like an experimentation sprint? Are you... Um, like what, what's the next step from there? Well, for, for a new client, it's um, always that we try to make the uh, customer experience seamlessly. So we adapt our design from the checkout to their uh, product pages. So that's very important that the customer has the feeling that he is in one checkout flow from the homepage to the product page to the checkout. And then yeah. we, of course, implement all our best practices. Um, since we're doing this for over five years now, and our CTO is quite a quite a conversion rate optimization fan, so we have a lot of uh, development resources for this, and we, we we've come a long way in best practices. For example, we don't have any account creation upfront anymore. We have one page checkouts, so everything is on one page, uh, so the customer doesn't have to click uh, through a lot. And uh, yeah, once we impl implemented, let's say our best practice card already, then we. Uh, do gather the qualitative data and then we start hypothesizing uh, so we think okay if we offer here an upsell or if we offer a discount code at some point of the customer journey this will have this impact hopefully and then we uh, we do a roadmap and we prioritize our ideas by the most uh, yeah how to say the the most realistic impact it might have on the conversion rate. So we do uh, the biggest test first because we want to achieve higher conversion rates up front very fast. 
Yeah, there's definitely, um, yeah, you definitely want to book a book a win for the client um, yeah. as soon as possible for sure. So, sometimes um, what we do is we we combine things if they if they have if they uh, fall under one theme. For example, uh, we do trust themes. So. Uh, if the if we gather the feedback from the market that people have trust issues with a card, then we pa pack a lot of different ideas uh, which increase the trust. For example, saying okay, this is a secure payment methods, or we show some security badges at the bottom, and we pack those in one test and say, okay, the hypothesis is if we make this card more trustworthy, more people will end up buying. Okay, and how do you build trust at the checkout? How do you do that? Well, a lot of it has to do with colors and um, I don't know if you are on booking.com, for example, and you go through their checkout, there's a lot of yeah. um, signals showing you, okay, you did the right thing. So you, um, for example, live validation of the input fields, you just put a green check mark at the end or um, trust as said, like you say, this is a secure payment method. You can also add social proof. Uh, I bet you have seen these buyer bubbles popping up at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. many people are on the checkout right now. Um, yeah, stuff like that. And it's all about colors, copywriting and social proof, I would say. Okay, so, so th they're the three sort of main tools to building trust uh, yeah. at the checkout. And design, it needs to be, it needs to look good. I mean, if you know from affiliate marketing, some affiliate sites look just really awkward and, and sketchy so people don't buy it from these so it needs to look really fresh and neat how do you tackle the challenge of of making these checkout pages look great on mobile so are you making are you doing individual tests for mobile only or how are you how are you tackling that um, to be honest, we have mainly desktop traffic because we sell software and people sell uh, buy software for for the computer. Um, so we have 95% yeah. desktop traffic. Um, okay. Our clients on the front end might have more mobile traffic um, because uh, they go on the product page or on the homepage. But when they actually end up buying, they usually do this on the uh, desktop. So we don't have a lot of uh, mobile traffic. Some clients do, uh, not mine though. But if uh, we do for them mobile, we try to yeah have, for example, PayPal Express or Apple Pay. So these one-click payment methods so that everything is filled out uh, beforehand. So the, so the user has very little effort uh, to put in this, uh, his personal data. So you've, you've used Apple Pay before in mobile checkouts and you've seen, a, you've seen an increase in conversions, have you? Yes, yes. PayPal Express and Apple Pay are usually good for mobile. PayPal Express. Okay, cool. Um, and so when you, so then you just basically, are you just deploying tests now? So now that you have those, you're just deploying tests and I guess reporting the results and then that test is informing the next one. Is that, is that how this, the, the, pro, the process works? Yeah, kind of. We, we, we have uh, bi-weekly meetings with our clients or weekly meetings and then we go through the roadmap. And since it's often most of the time custom development because we have our own front end team and yeah, because we're doing this for over five years now, uh, things have gotten more complicated. So we need a little bit uh, development effort always uh, or most of the time. Uh, so yeah, we're planning this uh, through the roadmap and just following item by item. Cool. Um, I'm interested to see what your feedback is on this. Can... Um... I know a lot of companies are looking to increase their conversion rates and, and almost all companies are. 
but in your opinion, can any company start a CRO program or is there a minimum amount of traffic or transactions a month in your opinion? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, you have to to, to split uh, CRO into, for example, applying best practices to your page or running A-B tests. So if you want to run A-B tests, we always say, okay, we need at least 200 orders per candidate. So when you run a simple A-B test, it's 400 orders. Um, if you run an A-B is that, per, is that is that 200 orders a month or a week or what's, what's uh, per, the... Per candidate and we usually run an A-B test, a full business cycle at least. Uh, I mean, we, sometimes we're reaching these uh, 200 orders in a day because we have that, um, yeah, that amount of se sessions uh, and big clients, but we yeah. still let it run over the weekend. So we, we even out everything. Um, but yeah, if you oh, so, 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 the, so the minimum time you'll run a test is at least seven days. Is that right? Yeah, we're trying to. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's what we aim for. Um, so what would be your advice for people who don't have those minimums then, who, who sites that are a little bit smaller, who don't have, you know, 200 transactions to work with? Uh, well, get an experienced CRO person <laughs> to bash your website. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm just okay. kidding. Um, uh, well, definitely there are. I, a lot of people say there are no best practices, but I think that's completely BS. Um, there are, for example, making your page speed faster, making your input forms uh, small, uh, like less effort to fill out, um, having good images, good copywriting. That that are all best practices you can do without uh, A/B testing. And of course, uh, we talked about Hotsha, um, which is kind of my favorite tool. You can uh, do session recordings with that. So you see what the people are doing, are clicking on your website. And you can always ask uh, people if they are missing any information. And for example, on the product page, um, you can just simply pop the question like, what are you missing on the page? And there will be a lot of stuff which you missed in your initial design. And your uh, visitors will tell you, and then you can add this. And uh, this ultimately will lead to more conversions because the people are, are on your page are well more informed. So okay. I think it's totally possible without with very little traffic to optimize for conversion. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because um, that's often a question I get. You know, what's the minimum amount of traffic per month? And I, I guess there is no real minimums. It's just you know everything is any conversion rate number you have can be improved. So. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And um, it's 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 also um, depending. I mean, sometimes we, if we have a lot of traffic, we run A, B, C, D, E tests, like uh, multivariate tests, because Optimizely once found that most of their users have a best results when they run five different candidates per idea per hypothesis. So sometimes we're testing ten percent discount, twenty percent discount in one test. But if we don't yeah. have that amount of traffic, we, we just run the simple A-B test. So we, we reduce the amount of candidates we have. That's also something you can do. Um, yeah. Speaking, speaking of testing, um, it'd be really interesting for me and for the audience as well if, um, if you could give us some details about a surprising winning test uh, that you did and then uh, what you learned from it. Uh, so, yeah, surprising for me was um, a surprising winning test. 
are always like uh, coupon code tests. Uh, so when we uh, offer at the right spot of the customer journey, we offer a coupon or a discount code. And I'm always fascinated how much of an uplift you can achieve. Like we found various features, how we can, let's say, Uh, in, inject the coupon code in the customer journey. And uh, yeah, the conversion uplift is somewhere between 15 and 24% because that's the natural behavior of people. They go uh, in the checkout and then they go on Google and look for a coupon code somewhere else. So, and we don't want them to abandon our card to find a coupon offer, which is probably next to a coupon offer for uh, from a competitor or something, right? So you, you want to yeah. have people within the card and if they are looking for an, like an incentive to make the last, yeah, to go over the uh, to go over the buy now button, let's say, uh, then yeah, placing a coupon code at the right uh, time it's uh, works wonders for us, and it's it's r really helpful, and it's always surprising to me how much of an impact you can have with a, just a coupon code of let's say ten or fifteen percent. So, so in your experience, when is the right time to introduce that coupon code? Um, is it uh, is it like on load? Like, do you wait ten seconds and then it pops up as a modal, or is it a little banner on the side, or like when in the checkout are you doing that? Usually, before the person the, per, the before the person uh, puts in his data, because then he's always already focused on a different task. I mean, there are always these mental models you have to follow. Like it, on the product page, he's deciding if he wants to make the product. Then he goes to checkout. Then he uh, looks on the price and the let's say the VAT and makes those decisions. And so it's about the price and then it's a good time to put it in. Once he's uh, with typing in his email and his credit card information, it can be disturbing because then he's like, oh, there was a coupon and maybe it was too late. So uh, I would do it beforehand or especially if people are leaving, um, for example, card abandonment emails or something, you can place there uh, a sweet offer. Yeah. And so, but yeah, 24% increase in conversion. That's massive. That's... It was great. In revenue numbers, it was above a million. It was just crazy. Like <laughs> we, we wow. had a party. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's cool. So, and, and only a 10 or 15% discount. Like that's not really a huge discount, but it's enough to push people across the line. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, that's why, why it's so surprising to me, like why uh, people are, that price driven let's say but uh, for me it's um i, I a story <laughs> a story out of my life so for me uh, in real life i since it's summer i was buying a bicycle uh, last weekend and before the week i was in the shop looking at the bike and i was perfectly happy with it it was a nice bike uh, the price was right uh, the people in the shop were nice but then the guy was looking at me i was looking at the bike and it was the first time i have looked at the bike and I was like, mm, yeah, okay, maybe I look at some other bikes before I buy this. But if at that point the person would have said, like, okay, we have a uh, sweet deal for this weekend because the sun is out or whatever, uh, we can give you a 15% discount if you buy now, right? So what would have happened? I would have purchased the bike. And uh, yeah. not, of course, not 100% of people who he says this to would have bought the bike. But uh, at least some will be, okay, 15% now and you just have this for this weekend. And then he's, yes, just for the weekend. And then you go and buy it. Same, same works with urgency. If he would be saying like, uh, uh, this was the last bike we have of this model, 
like booking.com does this so like we only have two rooms uh, yeah. left then people also yeah. do it it's just it's how scarcity. we work it's scarcity yeah we, we're with the fear of missing out right so yeah yeah i think that's, well, that's definitely that's that is something that i think everyone on the call today could potentially test with their checkout what small you know, 10% discount could you offer right at the end just to get over those last objections? Yeah. Um, yeah, that could be massive. So um, were there any other surprising tests that you, uh, that um, winning tests and what you learned from it? Or was, or was that kind of the biggest surprise for you? Uh, I recently had a, I had a funny test. Um, what we did, we, we placed the input labels of a form field, not within the form field. We placed them above the form field. So uh, when okay. you click in the uh, the actually the label of the form field stays above the input field, and uh, that was a huge uh, uplift there too, above ten percent in some regions. So uh, because it makes the uh, checkout more understandable, because what happens people click in the input form field and then uh, the label goes blank, and then they don't know which which uh, form field this was and. Um, I mean, for younger generations, it doesn't have to be an issue, but there are also older people buying software online and they might have a problem with this. And it was kind of counterintuitive because we made the form, input form field section longer because we had these headlines above the form field. But in the end, we, we saw a huge uplift because it just makes it more usable. Okay. This is really, this is really cool. I didn't, I didn't expect those, those two answers. I did not expect at all. Um, I guess that leads us to the to the other side of that question. I guess what are some unexpected losing tests um, that you've run uh, and what you've learned from them? Well, <laughs> if I if I think back three years or at the beginning of my career at Cleverbridge, um, there were there was the time where we had like let's say personal opinions about what design looks good and what is cool. So we ended up changing a lot of things at once and uh, so the client was there with a with an old checkout design and uh, i came in and say okay let's do it more fancy and we literally changed everything buttons colors uh, we moved uh, like diff containers around and everything and uh, then we were all pumped up and say okay let's run the a b test and <laughs> it failed big times and of course at the end we didn't know why it was failing because we changed so much and we were like 100% convinced that this card looks way cooler than the one before. But yeah, um, what I've learned, uh, making things pretty doesn't help. So you, you do have to have these, uh, I call them conversion elements, for example, elements of trust, of social proof, urgency, scarcity. Um, I mean, you know, probably the book from Robert Cialdini, and he's totally right with his, I don't know, seven or eight principles. Um, he's totally right with those. Um, this is what p influences the decision making of people. Are you when you you touched on something just then that I wanted to get sort of uh, more details on the idea of doing a rebuild, like changing everything, because I guess people want like a dramatic, huge uplift, right? And so the brain automatically thinks that to get that result, I, you know, we need to change everything. Let's throw everything out and start again. Uh, in my experience, I found that not to be the case. Uh, I found that small changes can deliver massive results. Um, is that something you found as well? Yeah, small changes is massive sometimes. Yeah, 
Sometimes we, yeah. we just, uh, I, I can't tell you the exact test, but sometimes we just hide a checkbox. And uh, it's really funny when people don't see the checkbox, they don't click it. And uh, in some cases, that's better for the business because we, we don't want to show the show the checkbox, let's say. Yeah. Okay. And it's just a checkbox. Or, or the what I told you about the, the input field, uh, like the, just the labeling of it. I, I wasn't expecting that. And the nice thing, then you learn something. And if you have those learnings, then you can apply this to different uh, checkouts. And of course, if I would now maybe do a whole redesign of a checkout, it probably will lead to a more, uh, to, to a higher conversion rate uplift. But yeah, usually you want to change uh, step by step if you have the traffic. If not, you you I can recommend putting things into themes like trust themes or like uh, pricing themes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, because if you if you like you said before, if you change everything, you don't really know what made the increase or decrease. It's kind of just guesswork after that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I would recommend if you have to do a redesign from the get go, then get a CRO person in the room and he should tell you about best practices out there and show you some benchmarks. Uh, but from there, once you have your status quo, you should start testing uh, yeah, one by one. Uh, was there any un other um, unexpected losing tests that uh, you'd like to share with the audience today that you've learned from? Let me think about it. Yeah, usually... Uh, <laughs> Button tests. I don't know. Uh, sometimes they work, but sometimes if you if you end up testing different shades, because sometimes we do have to test things which the client, the other side, uh, the other person on the client side uh, asks. And usually, because the first book about A/B testing is about button tests uh, from the guy yeah. from Optimizely, and and people, yeah, start uh, testing different shades of green <laughs> in a buy button. Um, and those tests usually fail big time and don't do much. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I, yeah. It's changing the button color from light green to dark green. I don't see that being a huge increase no. in conversion rates. Yeah. Um, but you can make them shaky. Yeah. I, I've seen, once seen a shaky buy button. I, I, I found that very funny. Like I filled everything out in the form field and then it starts shaking. So like, click me, click me. <laughs> I didn't run the test myself because I find it a little bit... Uh, yeah, sketchy, but I, I, I kind of like the idea of it. <laughs> yeah. You you mentioned before earlier in the conversation about some books that you've read that uh had made you better at CRO and made you a better marketer. Can you can you share some of your your favorite books, the some book recommendations with the, with the audience? Um well one of my favorite books is uh, Don't Make Me Think. It's a book about. Oh, I love yeah, that book as well. Yeah, it's about usability. It's actually quite old, but there are like some updates to it. Uh, it's just um, because sometimes when I look at a page, I'm I'm talking a lot about uh, the cognitive load of a page. So how how cluttered mm. the page is and how much there is to process, and if there uh, is too much, uh, which is good with the title, don't make me think. Uh, we we just try to reduce the cognitive load of this website. Um, yeah, that was a good book. And um, the one I just finished is uh, Cashvertising. Uh, it's about copywriting and it's also about what people drives and what's their decision making. And for example, I always say to some of our clients, like no one gets up in the morning and wants to buy a VPN product, right? 
or an antivirus yeah. product. And uh, cash advertising or copywriting helps you to translate those features into benefits. Like, uh, why do you buy an antivirus product? You buy it for personal security, that your data is safe, that your children are safe uh, browsing the web. And this you can highlight then on product pages, right? Uh, instead of like, oh, we have the fastest, the cheapest, the easiest uh, features whatsoever. So uh, focus on benefits is usually also a good thing for conversions, yeah. I've heard cash advertising being recommended by so many different people. What, um, in your opinion, what weighting do you give to effective copywriting and like is something is, is copywriting something that someone that's learning CRO definitely definitely needs to sort of have a clear understanding of yes I would I, the problem is like I hear it a lot of time uh, a lot of times too uh, that's why I also try to get better at it but in my daily job we have checkout pages where there is little to none copywriting a little bit on the yeah. CTA or something and you can add some for example some uh, testimonials or so but uh, there's a little bit of copywriting more copywriting is done on landing pages of course and and product pages but yeah from what i've heard from like trusted industry leaders out there um they say copywriting is quite important and yeah once i'm testing landing pages, I might make the same experience. Um, just a change of pace now. Um, so you've been doing this for five years now. Obviously, you've used a lot of different tools uh, for CRO, but can you share with the audience what your, I guess, your CRO toolbox looks like? What uh, what's, what split testing t tools do you use? What do you use in your research process? Um, so yeah, please please share with us um, the tools that you use? Well, uh, the thing is with Cleverbridge, we have our own uh, content management system and we have an A-B testing or an MBT uh, testing functionality built in there. So we use this and we also have, like I said, our own uh, reporting tool. Uh, but on for for the listeners, it would be, for example, Google Optimize, Optimizely, A-B Tasty for an A-B testing split tool uh, yeah. and Google Analytics as a reporting tool. Uh, but what we add on to this is uh, Hotjar as a session recording, heat maps, and the poll functionality, which uh, helps us quite a lot uh, during the process of optimizing our checkout experience. Yeah. So, yeah, we have reporting tool, but it's all in-house. So it's I can't give a recommendation there, which is good, a good tool for, for, for uh, out there. Yeah. So, so your favorite actual split testing tool is AB Tasty. Is that right? Uh, no, I can't. I can't say that because I haven't tested them uh, enough. Um, the okay. problem is, as I said, we have the A/B testing tool in house. Uh, yeah, no, I, okay. I I had demos and tried things out, but I'm I'm I don't run a, a sufficient amount of tests with those. So, how do you? Um, I mean, you may have touched on this before, but. What has made you so successful, you think, in your opinion, with these checkout experiments? I mean, is it the fact that you've just done so many of them that, you know, I guess like I, I'm a CRO person myself and I've done checkout tests, but I haven't done nearly as many as you have. Um, and is it just your focus and your you being a specialist at doing checkouts that's been the, the reason why you've had the results that you've had? Or is it something that, 
just just give us some bit bit of um, details about that. What's what's been the key to the success in this area? Do you think? Well, yeah, as you said, definitely the amount of tests you run because if you fail uh, all the time, sometimes you you find a winner. Uh, but what helped me most is really understanding the human nature in a way, like really understanding standing there in the bike shop and then understanding myself and then looking back, back at my test and then understanding, okay, that's why the decision, uh, that's why these concept is driving the decision. So the, the things Robert Giardini is talking about or empathy, like just understanding the human nature, like what insecurities people have. And for example, people are, sorry to say that, but most people are, or all the people, including me, are at the beginning selfish. So they, they want a, the best deal for them. They want uh, their benefits and they, they want, usually they want to buy the outcome of a product. For example, if you sell an online marketing course or so, they don't, buy, they don't want to buy your course. Um, they want to buy them being better at online marketing, right? So yeah, um, yeah just over the, over the period I've been testing and watching a, a couple of thousand session recordings uh, and also looking at the feedback from these market uh, surveys, it's just interesting how people are like self-focused. And if you give them that, yeah. then they convert because then you serve their needs and their, uh, their problems. It's interesting that not enough people talk about the fact that it's just self-interest that drives so many buying decisions that, I mean, people don't really care about your product. They care about what it can do for them. They, yeah. it's, it's all about, um, you know, sort of what's in it for me kind of thing. Yeah, what's in it? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, of course, it, like everyone, you watch a lot of videos and read a lot of blog posts and, and that some person really said that like no one wants to buy your uh, but wants to buy your product. They want to buy uh, the solution to their problem. They want to buy a fancy, fancy item they can wear and show to their friends. Uh, and and once you understand that, because as a CRO, you you start and then you also self focused. Like you 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 want a higher conversion rate, but then you need to think about the person in the, for example, in the checkout or on your page, and try to serve them and what they need, and then you usually win. Hmm. Yeah, it's it it comes back to psychology so much so much more than the technology. Just making people be, yeah, just getting in people's uh, meeting people's end needs more. I guess how can I word this correctly? So basically, like not focusing on the tech side of this, just focusing on the the psychology of why someone is making this purchase definitely and the benefits of that and just focusing yeah. on that i have a i have a funny story which i observed uh, during work hours yeah. uh, so my colleague i hope i can tell this uh he he, he was going to uh, barcelona and he wants to buy a, a soccer ticket for uh, the next game in barcelona barcelona is like one of the best european soccer teams right so yeah. and and he he really wanted that so he, the, the need for this product was so high but they made their checkout experience so impossible to deal with. Like it wasn't working. So he, he spent more than 30 minutes or something trying to get through the checkout to get the tickets for his, uh, him and his friends. And so if the need and the, the, the how do you say that? The, if, the, if, the, if the person really wants your product, he will find the a desire. way to purchase it, right? So, and, um, so it can be complicated uh, and stuff like that. It can be really complicated, but 
but if the person really wants the product, he finds a way to get it. So mm. yeah, I think the product and the need behind it uh, is more important than yeah design in a way. Yeah, it's a, you know like you know in like in the US where people sleep outside of Best Buy to buy a TV that's you know fifty dollars off. Yeah, like, that, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. So one of the I guess there's, we've said so many recommendations today on this call. I'd be interested to see what your feedback is on some, I guess, some bad recommendations that you hear a lot about when people are trying to build checkouts and do split testing in general. So is there any sort of stuff that you've heard recently that is, in your opinion, bad advice um, when optimizing a checkout experience? Well, definitely bad advice is to to go away from the industry standard, let's say. So so you have a lot of checkouts like Amazon, Shopify, uh, so these kind of checkout layouts and changing the yeah. layout just for creativity. So there's nothing worse than a mm. than a total way when you switch positions of everything and people don't find it uh, find the way through the checkout because there was a a too creative mind behind the design. So um, I would stick to industry standards uh, wherever possible. Same okay, goes so for just like, don't don't try to, to reinvent the wheel. Just make something that works and then build from there. Yes, yes, yes. Defin definitely if you design a uh, checkout experience from scratch, look at the big players because that's where people are used to. For example, in Germany, 50% of the e-commerce is Amazon. So <laughs> it's a good recommendation yeah. to go with kind of a sort of an Amazon checkout, even though it's not too pretty. But people will find the buttons they have to click and they go through uh, without any... Uh, effort because um, they made this purchase experience quite some uh, quite often through Amazon. So yeah, and then from there yeah. you can start testing individual things like button colors or copywriting or something. Yeah, people are just creatures of habit. Like if once yeah. they use get used to something, they just like you know show me the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of a story of a friend of mine who used to work at a video store and long story short, the same old movies used to get borrowed from the video store over and over and over again Yeah, that's... because people, because people just want to watch the same movies again. Like they just, there's about, you know, like the, you know, the 80, 20 principle, it's like, you know, those 20% of movies account for 80% of the, of the, the movies that are borrowed at the video store. It's yeah. just, it's crazy. Um, Cool. So look, we've said so many things in this call today and I guess you're definitely um, a specialist in your field and it'd be really interesting to see what you think, uh, what your predictions are really about, you know, the CRO industry over the, say, the next five years. I know, for example, that, you know, UX has become like this skill set that every single tech company needs now that, you know, you need a UX person in your team to, to succeed. And where do you see CRO falling in that tech environment over the next few years, uh, in your opinion? I think it will be huge. Because just from the results now I, th I see, it's, you, you can't turn, a, how do you say this in English, a blind eye on this. Like you can't look away yeah. from the results we're driving. 
Um, and as said, like our CTO was quite keen on A-B testing and conversion rate optimization. And he started with one person. And now five years later, we are like uh, four persons just solely focusing on this. And uh, yeah. the results are just massive. You can drive. And and there, I mean, you said it like there should be a CRO person in every room where you discuss design or uh, usability and uh, things like that. And I, I think it will be massive. For example, in Germany, we just have like two agencies, yeah, two main agencies focusing on, on, on conversion rate optimization. And they just started a couple of years ago and it, it will be big because the amount, and, and we, we also asked one of the agency to, to give us some recommendation and they were up to speed with us. So it was, I had the feeling, okay, we are already on the edge of, of the development. And yeah, so, and we are still not having everything right. So there, there's a huge, I see the huge potential in this even to, that's why I'm doing this for five years and probably the next five years, because it's, there is potential, endlessly potential to, to optimize. Yeah. Hmm. I think it will be huge. Yeah. Well, Definitely like on the well, same I, level, like UX or something. Yeah. I, I'm on the same page as you. I definitely feel like this is, you know, I'm, I'm super biased, but I feel like CRO is, or crow, depending what you know, what you how you pronounce it, is oftentimes the most powerful growth lever for an online business. Um, Definitely, and, and it's uh, it's it's not a thing which can be done by a designer. Let's say you, you, because changing the design, I said, it can make it more useful and have a little bit of uplift. But then it comes to human or user psychology and what to do about this and. Uh, and to drive the decision-making in the process of purchasing. And for, for e-commerce in general, CRO will be huge or is huge. So what, in, in, your, in your opinion, what makes a good CRO person in your opinion? Like if you were to hire someone for a CRO role, what, what do you look for? Experience, I would say. Because that's it's nothing which is taught in university or in... I mean, there are courses out there, which some of them I took. But yeah, they are okay, but they're not. So you just have to be curious about, let's say, human psychology, copywriting, design, and testing. That's like, that That needs to be like your focus. And then you need a lot of experience. If you run a lot of experience, uh, a lot of tests, and you went to a lot of conve uh, conventions where people talk about their tests, and you read a lot of blog posts, then eventually you, you get better. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. I agree. Nothing beats time on the tools. Just time doing this is just yeah. the most important thing. I mean, watching watching um, over a thousand session recordings helps. Like, for example, people read with their mouse cursor. They read the text with their mouse cursor. And so far, I, I nowhere I read this or no, uh, yeah, I never seen that before except experiencing it myself in the tool. Um, well, I won't. Uh, we've uh, spoken a lot today and yeah. I won't take any more of your time. Um, one last question I'd like to ask is that um, how can people get in contact with you and stay up to date with what you're doing at your company and also you personally as well? Uh, well, type in CRO in LinkedIn. <laughs> <Just Aww>. <laughs> <laughs> when, it, <laughs> when this is getting more uh, competitive, probably uh, there will be other people also. Um, yeah, you can uh, either text uh, our team at cro at cleverbridge.com 
or you yeah. go to conversion-gorilla.com, which is my personal blog. Julian, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the show today. Um, it's been amazing talking to you. We've had so much fun. And I really think that the audience is just, there's definitely a lot of sort of aha moments on this call. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, yeah, if but, you want, yeah. sorry, if you want any more information about what we've talked about on the show today, please check out the show notes. Um, thank you so much for listening and uh, bye for now. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, it was a pleasure and thanks for doing this. I think for our industry conversion rate optimization, this will be very, very good to uh, have some more content, quality content on this. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs>